Hello, folks, and welcome to the A to Z Sports Big Orange Podcast. I'm Charlie Burris here with my co-host and A to Z Sports Tennessee writer, Zach Reagan, wherever you listen throughout the world. We thank you so much for listening to us. Zach and I talk everything balls every week here on the Big Orange Podcast. If that sounds good to you, make sure that you subscribe to the A to Z Sports Podcast feed on iTunes and Spotify. The new episodes drop there every Monday morning. And if you subscribe, you won't miss a thing. I guess I, I think I missaid that. The A to Z Sports Podcast Network feed. Did I say that wrong, Zach? I think I did. A to Z Sports Podcast Network feed. If I didn't, I'm just an idiot. But anyway, on social media, at Charlie underscore Burris, at Zach TNT, at A to Z Sports on Twitter and Instagram, Facebook.com slash A to Z Sports Nashville, A to Z Sports Nashville dot com. I think that's all the academic business. Zach, the Vols are 2-0, and oh, but they're not just 2-0. and oh. They are a good-looking 2-0, and oh, a very handy win. Uh, for Tennessee, they laid it to the Missouri Tigers, 35-12, to 12, a nice 23-point win. What did you think of the Vols on Saturday? Hey, it's what we've been waiting to see for a long time from Tennessee. Beat Missouri easily, don't give up 30 or 40 points to them and beat them, you know, 60-something to 30-something like they did in the Butch Jones era. I mean, beat them handedly, hold the off, you know, play good on defense, keep them from storing. It was everything you could want to see from Tennessee in year three of the Jeremy Pruitt era. To finally watch a Tennessee football game that by the third quarter you were watching, you were kind of like, yeah, we got this one in hand. (laughs) Was so nice to not have to crouch in front of the TV, heart pounding, sweat running down your forehead, just going, please, please, Jared, don't throw an interception. Please just hand the ball off. Run the clock out. (laughs) It was so nice to not have to have all of that stress. Uh, I mean, they just, in every phase of the game, they just stuck it to Missouri. And it was fun to watch. They just had the superior players. They had the superior play callers. Um, and it's so nice to see. Hopefully this is an omen that Tennessee losing to the bottom half of the SEC East is over. Just clear past the Missouris, the South Carolinas, the Kentuckys. If if those teams stay in the position that they are currently, hopefully Tennessee is, is above them now. It looks like they are. We'll see Kentucky coming up uh, in, I believe, two weeks in between Alabama and this coming week, we'll preview the game. Georgia is next week. Um, but it was just a, a good time to see Tennessee uh, just clear through a team um, for the first time in a long, long while. Yeah, really, you can't expect, couldn't have asked for much more to start the season. I mean, you go on the road, you beat South Carolina. South Carolina, Will Muschamp could stay there forever. And South Carolina would be a, competitive team that sometimes pulls an upset, always gives a tough game, but usually finishes around six and six most years. I mean, that's just the kind of team they are. It's never going to be an easy win. So to go on the road, beat them in the first game of the year after this weird off season was a huge win. I don't care what the final score was. And then taking care of business against Missouri at home, Tennessee could have been better too. It's not like they played perfect. I mean, I know we'll get to that in a minute, but there was phases of the game where they can improve a lot, and they still handled them pretty easily. They did, and it, it was uh, impressive in in most ways. But let's do go ahead and get into the minutia of everything that happened this week. Want want to give a little bit more pizzazz to the show and to preview, or I guess to preview, to review uh, the game. Let's give everybody grades. I think that, that'll be fun, and hopefully we can do this week in and, and week out, and it can just give us a chance to sort of go into how everybody is doing every week, and we'll just go position by position here to start the review of the game and grade how everybody did. And we'll start off with the guy who is always the focal point when you talk uh, about 
Tennessee and how they're playing week in and week out. Jarek Garantano at the quarterback spot. I think the grade that I would give out is either a B or a B plus, if I'm being pretty generous. He played well. He didn't throw all over him. Last year, I would say that was probably his best performance of the year last year, threw for 400-some-odd yards. Um, But Jarrett just had some really nice passes. He minimized a lot of the air mailing and some of these other mistakes he was making. Most of the time, he made the throws he needed to make and and looked improved over last week. Um, Incredibly, I didn't think... If you listen to last week's show, I was not in any kind of uh, a, a, a headspace where I thought he would improve, uh, but he did. He actually did. Obviously, the question is, will that continue, especially against a better team like Georgia? We'll see. But yeah, I, I would say right around a B. Better, but gonna need more to beat the good teams in the SEC East. Yeah, I would go B plus. I, I wanted to go A minus. But when you look at what he did, he kind of stayed within the game plan. I mean, he only attempted 23 passes, so he, it wasn't going to be a huge yardage game for him. Um, so he didn't really get that chance to really explode that you kind of require to get a an A grade. But he's much better, much more accurate. Made a couple of really nice throws. One to Jalen Hyatt, one to Josh Palmer, kind of back shoulder throws, really well placed. I mean, he he's always made the right decisions. He knows what to do. He's a smart kid. It's just the accuracy thing like we talked about. It was nice to see this week, but I don't think, and maybe I'm wrong, but I don't think he's magically turned some corner. I just think he had a good week. I think this is what the coaches see in practice from time to time. And it could be the old Garantano against Georgia on Saturday. I'm yeah, not convinced that- otherwise yet. That is certainly the the fear. No matter what, I, I I'm yet to truly see him turn any corner in his, I guess his his speed of decision making, running through his his uh, his checks. He just doesn't process that quickly, and I don't know if you can really teach that at a certain point. I mean, when you're five years in and you're still having some of those problems like like accuracy and then the decision making speed, I, that's it's just eventually on him, you know, and you just you got to get better or you're just not going to get there. But I completely agree. He he was better. He continues to just make the right decisions almost all of the time is still yet to throw an interception. That's huge. As long as he's not hurting Tennessee. That makes all of the times when he truly helps just gravy. Um, and and so I I was happy with the performance. Obviously, it, it was more than enough. But moving to the next position group, uh, these are the guys that really exploded. The running backs, what what grade would you give them? I mean, it's got to, it has to be an A. I mean, it's hard running. We know what Eric Gray is. He's as advertised, average six yards a carry, what you expect to see from him this year as a sophomore. I thought Ty Chandler showed a little more toughness at times than kind of what we're accustomed to seeing. It was kind of hard to tell him and Eric Gray apart at times the way they were running. And then Jabari Small. I mean, that that first, first run, I guess, was his first run where he's kind of bowled the defender over. I mean, if that's what he's going to bring to the table, it's kind of a short yardage pickup you know, five yards when that, you know, it's third and four type guy. That's a great trio to have right there. I couldn't ask for much more from the running backs, the way they ran. Yeah. I mean, you never really know what to expect when a freshman comes in like that, especially a guy that's pretty undersized, like Jabari small is, and to have him on the very first game of his, the very first snap of his collegiate career, sorry, just bowl a guy over. That's pretty fun. <laughs> uh, it, it was a joy watching these guys work uh, behind the offensive line because, and we'll get there here in just a second, but the offensive line provided tons of opportunities and that's all great and good, but the running backs have to take advantage of them and they did in beautiful fashion. And it is 
shaping up to be, I would say, the best unit on Tennessee's offense outside of the offensive line. I guess the the best skill position for Tennessee. They are so dynamic because you have a great north-south runner in Ty Chandler. You have a, a really great cut slash, I, I would say, uh, versatile guy who can also catch the ball in Eric Gray. And then we're sort of coming into seeing exactly what Jabari Small is. I'm not sure that's totally clear quite yet because I don't think he's going to get just a ton of snaps for the rest of this year. His time will come. Uh, but it is a, a dynamic set of guys who have a lot of potential, and they are going to ruin some days for some SEC teams this year. Oh, for sure. And then you've still got T. Hodge back there, Lenith Whitehead, who might come back at some point this yeah. year. There's a lot of talent there at running back. Um, and, and really, after this year, you lose Ty Chandler, and I really like that one-two combination of him and Gray. I think that's important to have in the SEC. Having just one guy that kind of gets beat up, kind of saw it with LSU last year with uh, Clyde Edwards-Hilaire. He kind of ran out of steam there toward the end of the year, was beat up. You want to keep those guys as, as fresh as possible. So with Chandler moving on, having a guy like Jabari Small or, or T. Hodge, whoever it is, to kind of step up next year is really important. Yeah, I was I was impressed, and and really, I said it before, but Ty Chandler, I just I really liked the way he ran the ball. He just looked a lot like he was running with a purpose, a lot more than being the one cut big play guy. He's finally coming into the player that I've always wanted to see him be. The potential was always there, and he's always been fairly good. But oh yeah, he's turning in. He's turning into a really reliable four, five, six yards per carry sort of dude. And that's awesome. I mean, he averaged, let's see, you had Ty Chandler average 4.6 yards a carry. You had Eric Gray average 6.6 yards a carry. And Jabari <laughs> Small, he only had four carries, but he was averaging 6.8 yards per carry. I, that's that's really exciting uh, in itself. 232 yards on the ground for Tennessee in total. 14 of those coming from Jarek Garantano, and he, I think, let's see, he turned two of those into touchdowns. Of course, they were just little, you know, over-the-top punch-ins by Jarek Garantano, but still, uh, he did, just thinking of plays on the ground, Jared had a couple of plays where he tucked and ran and actually looked pretty good, and I want to give him credit for those, too, in talking about how uh, he sort of has has just been pretty pretty poised, not making a ton of mistakes. I like to see plays like that. Yes, he is not the fastest guy on the planet. Well, you, you don't have to work. be. The, you don't have to be the fastest guy on the planet to make those plays at quarterback. Josh Dobbs wasn't always a burner. I mean, he he was faster than we realized when he signed with Tennessee, but he was no, you know, Michael Vick out there just running all over the place. It's all about seeing the play, knowing where to go with the ball as a quarterback seeing when that opportunity is there. Garantano did it. I think he did it against South Carolina a time or two. And then against Missouri, it seems like he's seeing the field a little bit better. Kind of instead of sitting back there, maybe taking a sack on those plays, he's finding a seam and, and picking up a few yards. And if, if he can do that, pick up a couple of first downs here and there on a third down situation, that can change the whole complexion of a game. Yeah. I, I'm always happy to see kind of a nothing play turned into something and if Jared can start doing more stuff like that, that's such such a valuable extra fold to add. Uh, and, and yeah, like, like you're saying, you don't necessarily have to be the fastest guy as long as the play you make is smart and 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 makes sense, <laughs> you know. And, and also, the the play is not Jared putting himself in danger because some guys, some quarterbacks, when they run the ball, they'll just go foolhardy and get rocked. And you don't want that to happen either because you need your quarterback. But, uh, yeah, it just all all the way around. The ground attack in this game was just excellent. Um, And so now let's go to the air attack, the wide receivers, tight ends. Let's be honest, tight ends not really doing much right now. But that's okay because the wide receivers have looked pretty dang good uh, all all in all. Let's see the the exact stats uh, through the air. 190 yards receiving by six different guys and a touchdown through the air that was scored by Eric Gray. What were your thoughts uh, and the grade that you would give uh, the receiving core? This is a tough one for me. 
I don't think they're worthy of an A, maybe a B minus. And that's only because kind of the game plan. You only had 19 targets, uh, I believe 19 targets, yes. Uh, no, yeah, 14. 19, well, 19 targets. Oh, whoa, whoa, yeah, okay, so sorry. Toward yeah. wide receivers and tight ends. 14 and they, catches. Yeah. And they caught, well, the wide receivers caught 10 of those, not counting the running backs, not counting Eric Gray and, and Ty yeah. Chandler. So they weren't really involved a whole lot in the game. I mean, this was mostly a ground attack game, 51 rushing attempts. Um, they That's how they beat Missouri. So the wide receivers kind of did what they were asked, but didn't do a lot more. Josh Palmer is the number one guy on this team. Um, I was impressed with Jalen Hyatt. I think he's a big play waiting to happen, kind of like the swagger he plays with. Ramel Keaton, I think, had a pretty – Pretty rough drop early in the game. Was expecting a little more from him. Only two targets. Uh, you know, they they did what they were asked to do, and not a lot more. I'd go B minus. Yeah, I think that's that's about right. Uh, loved what I saw from Jalen Hyatt. Completely agree there. I especially love uh, he he made the catch, ran into the sideline, and slapped that guy in the face. And I thought yes. that was pretty funny. Uh, <laughs> and then um, you, you continue to see good stuff from Velas Jones Jr. Made a really good grab, but also yes. just even even when he was off the ball, he he's just a fast, uh, pretty uh, speedy athlete, and that's just great to have in in the wings. And Josh Palmer just keeps making some really nice catches. Is he a dude like Jawan Jennings? No, but. He's getting, uh, he's getting there, and I, I don't know that he'll ever reach that sort of legendary status. That's pretty hard to do. But will he reach like a really reliable primary receiver kind of status? I think he might already be there in some sense, and that's really nice to have a guy that you can just uh, sometimes float the ball up to, give him a fifty-fifty ball, and he's probably going to come down with it a lot of the time. Uh, that's great, and uh, yeah, I, I would say. They didn't get a lot asked of them, as you're pointing out. But when they did get called upon, they pretty much made the play almost all the time. So that's good. Would like to see the tight ends more involved. Yeah, where are, I mean, the, I don't know if it's a personnel issue. Is it yeah. a personnel issue? It is kind of a weird thing where, you know, last year we kind of thought Dominic Wood Anderson was going to be this big weapon. And turns out he didn't really know how to run routes. So he wasn't really utilized. And then now, you know, you got a Princeton fan who's played several different positions now, kind of thrown there at tight end. Um, yeah, nobody's stepping up. And Pruitt said before that it, he thinks it's a good group, but nobody's separating themselves. To me, that's concerning. I mean, yeah. who, somebody has to. I mean, it just eliminates an entire element in your offense that can be so useful. And a, a really reliable tight end. Obviously, they they can set good blocks for you if that's how you want to use them. And then also, they can just be a great kind of safety valve a lot of the time. We know Cheney knows how to use it. I mean, look at when yeah. Michael Rivera, you know, was at exactly. Tennessee. I mean, it, in in a lot of specifically in a lot of NFL offenses, when you can get just a great reliable tight end, it's gold. Uh, and I, I would like to see it because Tennessee does run more of a pro style, just stuff it down your throat sort of offense. And it would, it would be great to find just somebody. <laughs> Hello, somebody. Uh, what are we doing? Let's find a tight end, but that's kind of a, a whole separate discussion. Now we can move on to the final element of the offense. And I, it's hard to give these guys a lot more praise than we're probably going to here. The offensive line, this is the best the offensive line for Tennessee has looked in years. Let's be completely honest. It's they the, were steamrolling guys. It's the best offensive line since 2012 when Sam Pittman was in Knoxville, easily. Yeah. They they did give, I'll, I'll give them just an A instead of an A+, because they did, I believe they gave up at least one sack. Was yeah, it? Jerome Carvin, I think, gave up a sack. There's a couple of penalties there. Cade yeah, Mays had a false perfect. start. I think Darnell Wright had a holding call. So yeah, it wasn't perfect, but it was. Hey, I mean that's it's SEC football. Even if it's Missouri, those things. I mean, you kind of expect that to happen. 
But they were good. I'd agree. A. Not an A plus, an A. But when I... What's so great about it is when I think about what I wanted to see out of this offensive line, you know, on, on paper, so often you get a group that you just look and you're like, oh man, that it looks like they're going to be so good. And then you actually see them play and you're like, eh, they're okay. No, this offensive line, what four five-star guys, a couple of four-star guys, like on paper, this looks like it should be such a dominant unit and they are delivering. And that's so great. And you had, and also you have a little bit of versatility. You saw Cade Mays finally get introduced. He gets uh, approved by the SEC in this. The SEC said it was sort of like a one-time, it's a weird year sort of deal. Hey, great. I'll take what I can get. And Cade Mays goes out there. And and he started his day, uh, I believe, at the, at the right tackle spot. Was looking good there. Carvin was on the inside, and then he also played some guard. Uh, Cade did, and I th- they put Darnell Wright at the tackle spot. Some really in all iterations, the offensive line looked good. It wasn't this thing that we've seen in past years where they're shuffling guys around trying to find the correct lineup. It was sort of like, what's the good lineup and what's the best lineup? Because there wasn't really a bad one. Um, and, and I don't want to give them too much praise. Like we said, they weren't perfect. There's plenty to work on. And that's honestly, that's good. They were this good and there's still stuff to work on. Uh, and that's really encouraging. Well, they haven't always, I mean, this fall has kind of been weird where you've had a lot of offensive linemen in and out and not been able to practice. And then yeah. Cade Mays situation being up in the air. And I know Pruitt says they rep him the same, but do they really, when you're not really sure and you have to have another guy ready, because that kind of, expand your depth chart at that point so there's been a lot of uncertainty at that position so to see them play that well together as a unit which is kind of one of those positions where your offensive line is five different positions but at the same time you kind of talk about it as one position because what the left guard does has a lot to do with what the right guard does and right tackle and it all kind of moves together so yeah it was very impressive that they were able to play that way considering the circumstances. It was. It's, it, they did about as much as I think you could have asked of them. Um, and that's awesome because just so much good stuff starts with the offensive line. If you have an offensive line that can help produce a great run attack, then that frees up your wide receivers uh, more. It also gives – it not only does a great running attack free up – uh, your your passing game more it frees up your quarterback because they'll have uh, obviously uh, a better cho- a better choice of receiver but then also uh, the, a great offensive line gives your quarterback time to throw we've already sort of established that Garantano has some issues with timing uh, and so all the way around a great offensive line a start a great start in the trenches can do so much for you it did on Saturday. It was great. Um, we could heap praise on them uh, all day long. But uh, to go to the defensive side of the ball, uh, what's your grade for the defensive line? Because this one, to me, was not nearly as clear-cut as your O-line. Yeah, I think defensive line, I would probably go C. There was nothing that really stood out to me about the defensive line. Missouri's offensive line kind of, they were able to get a little push at times. Um, the running back, who's a Missouri running back, uh, Roundtree, Roundtree, Roundtree. You know, he was able to. He got. He had some good runs uh, that was created by the offensive line there against Tennessee's defensive line. It was. It didn't. They didn't really seem super disruptive. They weren't bad. I mean, I don't think they played bad by any means. They just didn't excel like the offensive line. Maybe, maybe I'm kind of comparing them to the offensive line a bit much, but. To be, you know, in the trenches, I, I go C. Yeah, I'm, I'm right there around a C. This is a pretty elementary way of looking at the way that the defensive line played, but this is the way that I'll sort of break it down. Um, you had one, one sack. It did come from your defensive line with DeAndre Johnson. He looked pretty good again, which is nice. Um, but then you had five tackles for loss. One of those was DeAndre Johnson's sack, and the rest of those all came from defensive backs and not your defensive line. Not ideal. Uh, and so I, 
Oh, I sorry. Uh, one of those. One of those was Omari Thomas, and he's he's on your defensive line. Mm-hmm. But still, so three three of your five tackles for loss came from DBs. I mean, you just you want more disruption. You want more pressure. There just wasn't a ton. Did they play poorly? No. Um, it was obviously plenty enough to win, but. Obviously, your sort of ideal defense is you're getting pressure with just four guys so you can drop as many uh, guys back in coverage as possible. And that just makes for a defense that's really hard to play against. And I this defense is not there yet. Um, it was nice to have Darrell Middleton back. I didn't notice his presence a ton. He was obviously out there. Um but he he wasn't just uh, the major disruptor that I'm kind of hoping for. Obviously, he's had injuries or whatever's been going on. You know, they don't really release a lot of that info. But um, it on the whole, let's let's keep working, guys, on the defensive line, um, and kind of see where we can go because they need to get better and they need to get better in a hurry with yeah. with Georgia. I think that was kind of one of the biggest concerns on the defense going into this season anyways, the defensive line. So it's not really a surprise that that's yeah. one of the weaker units on the team right now. Let's move to the linebackers. Where are you at uh, with the LBs? Uh, a minus, B plus, I'm right. I'd probably go B plus. I think Henry Toto is elite in every way. He's a smart guy. You see his pre-snap kind of communication with the defense and knowing kind of where the play's going and what needs to happen. I love watching him play. He's a future NFL player. He's just, he knows, he's so instinctive. He knows where the ball's going plenty of times. He's a great open field tackler. The rest of the defense is talent. I mean, linebackers are talented. Jeremy Banks, I mean, we've talked about him a lot last week. He's fast, kind of plays a little reckless at times. I like Cravera's Crouch. Yeah, they played well. I mean, we could still see more. I mean, it's not like it's an Alabama defense out there. I mean, it's not Georgia. They still have a lot of room to improve. Yeah, I would go BB+. plus. Um, obviously, I think this is going to be true almost every week this year. I like what I'm seeing from Henry Toto. And then the the contributions uh, from from all a lot of those other guys. You're seeing improvement from a guy like Cravera's Crouch. Um I, I would say the, and this might just be a function of the fact that they were playing Missouri, but the, they didn't look nearly as slow on the edges uh, this time, and that helps. That also has something to do with the defensive backs too, but um, just in general, keep improving. There, there's plenty to improve upon while at the same time saying, I think the, the linebackers played pretty well, led by one of the best guys on the team at Henry Toto. I, I liked what I saw, but... It's just gonna have to improve the further you get into SEC play, and and I think they'll they'll get there. It's a young unit, and it's a, a unit with a lot of exciting guys who can make big plays, and just keep keep grinding. Um, so, and then finally uh, on the the defense, your defensive backs were thrown in the safeties and the cornerbacks all all into one. What'd you think? This this is a tough one for me too. I would. Probably go B minus. I really like Bryce Thompson. I love watching him play. He's very important. Um, There's a couple plays where he ran up to the line of scrimmage and and snuffed out a play. Plays that you haven't seen Tennessee typically making. I like Delonte Taylor's swagger that he plays with. Um, Not having Sean Schamberger obviously is hurting Tennessee a lot. They're getting beat a ton over the middle still. That needs to be cleaned up. I'm sure Jeremy Pruitt will be all over that this week. There was moments where they looked really, really good, and then moments where they just there's holes in the defense and they get beat. I mean, they're they're still a work in progress, which is a kind of a tough pill to swallow because guys like Thompson and Taylor, they're juniors. I mean, they're upperclassmen, so you don't really expect some of those issues to be happening. But then other times they look brilliant. It's kind of tough to judge. I feel like. They're a group that, yeah, I'm having a, a tough time exactly assessing. You're exactly right. They're still getting beat over the middle. They got beat along some. I And I'll give credit where credit is due. The Basilek, he had some nice throws. Yeah, he does throw a nice the, ball. He's Yeah, yeah. They, they, he had some throws that were hard to defend. I think he's going to be good. Uh, give it another year, another couple years. I think he's going to be a pretty good quarterback for, for Missouri. I 
I mean, I don't know what year he is, but I assume he's young. Um, but you had like a, a kind of quote unquote breakout performance, maybe from Trayvon Flowers, 10 tackles, five of those solo. That's true. Uh, Alante Taylor, as you you already said, he's still looking really aggressive. Just he's a mean dude. But just keep keep working because it's not totally there yet. It needs to get better uh, in order to. I mean, I just think about how how this team would fare against Florida right now. They would get destroyed. Uh, I, I just think against the way, specifically the way that Florida has been using uh, Kyle Pitts, Kyle Pitts is made to ruin the lives of these defensive backs. <laughs> like that's the perfect strategy to beat the problems that Tennessee has <laughs> right now. It's, it's got to improve. It's like, such a weird thing because I'm not, I'm not questioning Jeremy Pruitt. I've been, I've been praised Jeremy Pruitt so much over the last two weeks and really since last October, whenever this turnaround kind of started happening. I mean, I've, I haven't really criticized him much at all. So I'm not really criticizing him. I'm just surprised that the secondary is not better. And maybe it's because he's the head coach. He has a lot more responsibilities. He's kind of overlooking the whole deal and he does seem to be delegating. I mean, Derek Ansley's calling defensive plays. He's the secondary coach. And I like Derek Ansley a lot too. I think he's a great coach. But I'm between Ansley and Pruitt, I'm surprised this unit is not better. I mean, Alante Taylor is a fast guy. Bryce Thompson, talented guy. They have talent there. Maybe it's not elite five-star LSU Alabama talent, but they're talented kids, especially growing up against Missouri. Yeah, I I mean, I am in complete agreement. Just just keep working. Uh, it is odd to see because it is sort of Pruitt's specialty, but um yeah they they need to get uh, better we'll we'll talk about how exactly they might fare against georgia here in a minute um but we'll finish with the special teams there were actually no kick returns no punt returns all all punts uh fielded by gray he fair caught them all and then brent samaglia missed a field goal that was the only field goal that he kicked and he missed it and then he was five of five on extra points not a lot to assess but uh your thoughts yeah, I mean, it was there's kind of a holding issue there, I guess, with the the missed field goal. That's really about the only thing that you can criticize too much. And I imagine yeah. uh, after the way I saw Brent Samaglia get after uh, Will Albright uh, in the South Carolina game, just kind of getting in his face, not really angry, just kind of like, "Hey, are you good?" You know, kind of pumping him up. I think they'll probably work pretty hard at that at practice led by some and get those issues worked out. Yeah. I would say right, right around a C just because we didn't really get to see much from him. Get some Aglia back on track. That's, that's what I would say. My takeaway from this game, uh, how, whatever it is, if it's improving the holding, if it's improving the snapping, if it's within some Aglia himself, just get it working. Ever also, since I, I mentioned that the, that the Titans should, uh, draft him, <laughs> he went downhill. We cursed him. Uh, but, I also say, hey, if you want to play a game like this every week where the only thing Brent Samaglia has to do really is kick extra points because you scored touchdowns, hey, more power to you. Let's do it because uh, that's the better way. Uh, to win yes, it's game certainly, regularly. you know, the way that Jeremy Pruitt approached this game early, going for it on fourth down, not kicking field goals in the red zone. Such a stark contrast to Butch Jones in the the 2014 Florida game, the, the 2015 Oklahoma game. Butch would have kicked those field goals. Who knows what happens from there? Missouri sticks around. It ends up being a close game. I mean, we've seen that time and time again. But Pruitt was aggressive, very aggressive offensively by going for it. And Tennessee fans have to love that. He, he trusts his team. He trusts them to pick, pick up fourth downs. You don't need your kicker when you're doing that. Yeah, I, I love it. Scared football is the worst. And it doesn't seem like Pruitt, uh, he, he is conservative sometimes, but uh, I think he is smart with his conservative decisions. And he's sort of, he, he's not overly aggressive, but he's aggressive when it makes sense. And I I uh, like we it. Have, I, we have seen him kick some uh, onside kicks and... Situations yeah. where nobody's expecting it. So you're right. He's very smart with it. He does it at the appropriate time. 
Yeah, I, I I love it. I'm I'm a big aggressive football guy. I even I would be okay if he was overly aggressive. Like I honestly, a, a lot of times, big Titans fan, Mike Vrabel can be overly aggressive to the point of kind of being stupid. But I'm almost like, hey, you got to take chances. Uh, big risk, big reward, sort of thing. So I I don't mind it. I love seeing going for it on fourth down. Uh, sort of uh, you know, hide, hide your kids if you're listening to the car. Nut up or shut up. You know, just sort of like if, if you're going to do it, do it. I like that sort of coaching philosophy. So there's uh, I think our, our full grades there for Tennessee's team. What are your your parting thoughts before we move on to a preview of uh, the Georgia game? I mean, it's just type of football you want to see from Tennessee. Get after it early. Uh, get Missouri down early. It's a team you should be. Don't let them think that they should be in the game with you. And I think that's kind of how Jeremy Pruitt approached it. In the media, he spoke a lot about Missouri being a good team and hanging with Alabama. But I'm sure the message in the locker room was, you're better than these guys, and you need to beat them early. And they did. Yeah, they took care of business. That's what counts. 2-0. and And now you're moving on to week three, a trip. To Athens, Georgia, now for a review of that game. Did you get a chance to watch uh, much or all of the Georgia-Auburn game uh, from yesterday? I didn't watch too much of it just because it looked quite not that entertaining. I was I was gone for a portion of the Tennessee game yesterday. Uh, my kid had a travel baseball tournament, so I was re-watching some of the Tennessee game late last night, kind of interrupted the Georgia-Auburn game. Uh, but I was surprised that that Georgia kind of was up on Auburn the way they were. I don't know if that Auburn's not as good as we thought they were. My first thought was maybe Tennessee's SEC West draw with Auburn and Texas A&M isn't as bad as we thought it was. Or is Georgia a lot better than we thought they were after the way they played against Arkansas? I was trying to break this down. I, I really only watched the, the first half uh, of this game so far. Hopefully I'll, I'll get to see more of it over the course of this week. But I, I'll say this. I think it's an early season game, so I'm not totally sure. But I think Auburn sort of stinks, which is good. Tennessee plays Auburn later this season. Um, I don't want to say that they just straight up stink. But they just couldn't handle what Georgia was throwing at them. I'll also say I think Georgia's defense is pretty dang good. Their offense leaves some to be desired. Uh, they're they're playing a kid who I believe was a walk on previously in Stetson Bennett at quarterback. He looked pretty good, uh, seventeen to twenty eight for two hundred forty yards and a touchdown. I mean he he wasn't exactly you know Patrick Mahomes out there, but uh, he got the job done more than well enough. Uh, they have some pretty good, young, dynamic playmakers uh, at, at the skill positions on on offense. But I, I would say they're not just going to totally blow you away. I, the problem that I see here in terms of the matchup is with Georgia's defense. They, they are pretty nasty. Um, they, they had in this game six tackles for loss, three sacks. They just gave Bo Nix all kinds of problems. Um, and... It's it's going to be tough to come by points in this game. Obviously, Auburn scored six points, and Gus Malzahn is a, known as like a total offensive guy. And so, we'll just have to see exactly how they how they stack up. Like I said, it's an early season game, so it's hard to know exactly what to extrapolate from what Georgia's done so far because they didn't they really did not look good against uh, a lot of the Arkansas game, but their defense looked pretty stingy yesterday. Yeah, I could see Tennessee's offensive line holding up fairly decent against Georgia's defensive—I mean, defensive line. But even if they do, you still have Garantano, who, if if he's, they're kind of getting pressure on him, he's not really making quick decisions. We could see that old Garantano, where you have rush throws, incomplete passes, overthrows. I could see there be a lot of lot of frustrating three and outs type situations. So here, here's my fear with how this game might go. I, I look at the Auburn game for Georgia. They did a good job stopping up the run. Now it's Auburn only 
had 22 rushing attempts, and it looks like a couple of those were... Yeah, Bo, Bo Nix had 11 carries in this game. Um, so they weren't running the ball a whole lot, but they had 39 rushing yards. The fear that I have is that the rushing game doesn't work for Tennessee. As good as the offensive line looked, they just can't get it going. And then the game turns and has to kind of rely on on Jarrett's arm and his poise as a passer. And oh, I mean, I think it sort of goes without saying that I don't have a ton of faith <laughs> in Jarrett to go out there and win a game with his arm. He can make some good passes. He makes usually the correct decisions. He doesn't throw a lot of interceptions. But to go out and make the sort of like game-winning dynamic plays that you'll need for him to make, uh, I I hope that it could happen, but I don't want to have to rely on it. So hopefully the offensive line can make as much of a difference as I would like for them to make, and the rushing game will work for Tennessee. But... My yeah, my definite fear is that this game turns to the arm of Jared Garantano, and that's just not a good formula for Tennessee. Even if the rushing game does work, I think it's still going to rely on Garantano's arm to some extent because I think Tennessee is going to need two big plays, maybe more at least, to win this game. You're going to need Jalen Hyatt to catch a 50-yard pass down the field because I don't think the offense is going to be able to put together these long 80-yard drives where they just kind of grind it out. I think Georgia's defense is too good that you're not going to be able to put down these back-to-back, you know, five- and six-yard runs. You might have a couple, but they're going to be in the backfield. They're going to tackle Eric Gray for loss a couple of times. It's going to happen. You're going to need Garantano to complete some of those passes down the field to those receivers that Jim Chaney, you know, schemes open. Yeah, and then I I would say – Turning to Tennessee's defense also, Georgia has sort of that, you know, they they may not have like the best quarterback back there, but he is more than capable of getting it done as has been shown so far. And their speed, I don't think Tennessee can can match it. I mean, Georgia just kind of has, they've stacked up a bunch of five stars at the skill positions and they are good, good players. And, And I just fear... Tennessee getting hit over the middle a lot, getting hit uh, long. And it's going to probably be the continued problem that we've seen through the first two games where just some of these frustrating like 12-yard passes over the middle on third down and you just go, damn it, we should have made that stop, you know? And and so I, I definitely think that's going to happen. Hopefully they can put together sort of a bend don't break effort where, yeah, you're going to, you're probably going to let Georgia get into the second level a decent amount. They're probably going to connect on a lot of these throws, but hold them to a field goal. Uh, give, give yourself a chance to maybe stop them on a fourth down. Like do, do these things though, where you kind of say, Georgia's going to get theirs, but make it, as tough as you can dig deep and and just put I, I would say put the offense in a position where they can win this game for you keep it close through three quarters be in a position to win this game and I, I think that's when I when I look at this that's what I really want to ask of Tennessee in this game just be in a position to win obviously don't get blown out don't be offered. <laughs> Don't don't get your butt kicked in the first two quarters uh, and then, you know, sort of take yourself out of it. Like really h- hang in there because I think Tennessee is good enough to hang in there in this game, but it's going to take a really good effort to actually uh, get get even close to a win and it's going to take a really, really good effort to win. Yeah, I don't think you're going to see Tennessee lay down kind of like they did in 2017. Um when they got blown out by Georgia. I think this team has taken on Jeremy Pruitt's personality. I think they'll fight. I think they'll they'll grind it out and kind of kind of make it a game. I think it's going to take a couple of turnovers though to stay in the game because you talked about holding Georgia to a field goal and yeah, that would be a huge win. Anytime Georgia gets the ball across midfield and you hold them to a field goal, that's a huge win, but and how how with with all that five star talent, how much can you ask of Tennessee's defense if they don't match up man for man kind of equally? 
I think it's going to take a couple of turnovers to sway this game in Tennessee's favor. And and Jarrett Darantano taking care of the ball, not turning it over. Yes, that both of those things are, are going to be imperative. Get some really disruptive plays from from guys that we've seen who are really reliable, like a Henry Toto. You know, get get an arm in there and cause a fumble. Just get, give yourself these chances to make game changing plays, uh, and just sort of see what happens. Because I I completely agree. I think it is going to take not even just some turnovers, but a little bit of luck, a little bit of the ball sort of bouncing Tennessee's way. Let's be completely honest. The last two times Tennessee beat Georgia, it took some of that. It oh took yeah, some, some block of that. Uh, yeah, it took a hail mary. It it took just the ball bouncing their way some, and that just you know in the SEC to a certain extent, unless you're Alabama, where you all you have is six star players, I, it it is some some luck involved in some of these really big games, and so uh, on the whole. Compared to years past, I really like the way Tennessee stacks up against Georgia a lot more. I will say I'm I'm not uh, after week one against uh, Arkansas, the way that Georgia looked, I was kind of like, hmm, maybe Tennessee is going to be right there with Georgia. Then after the Sovereign game, I'm, I'm certainly not as confident, but I still think Tennessee can hang in this game. And that's good. And that's a huge improvement, a big step forward over just kind of getting your head beat in the last few years. And, well, even and, in 2018, I believe we saw a, a Tennessee team that hung with Georgia the first half. Um, they just got out talented in the second half. I mean, they they know they can hang with Georgia. Yeah, yeah. Well, and even last year, you had the lead for a little bit in the second quarter uh, after a, a really nice big throw from Brian Maurer, I think, <laughs> oh, um, yeah. whoever was playing quarterback at that point, um, and so. Just, uh, you know, make make some plays like that where you have the lead in the second quarter and then don't totally give up the game in the second half. <laughs> and then, you know, we'll, we'll be good. But it's, you know, it's a game on the road in the SEC against a really good, really talented football team. It just kind of is what it is. But this, this is where the, the rubber meets the road, man. We're going to see what Tennessee is really made of. Because as I already said earlier, it sort of looks like Tennessee is separating themselves from that lower half of the SEC. That's great. And a big-time improvement over the trash can fire that Bush Jones left. Um, but you got to get into this upper echelon if you want to win championships. And this is these are the games you got to win. Because essentially, let's be completely honest, you win this game on Saturday, the SEC East races between Tennessee and Florida, that's the final game of the season. And... Oh, that's oh, so exciting. That's yeah. that's amazing. You're you you kind of say Tennessee's SEC championship aspirations almost begin and end tomorrow in some sense. It's probably a little over, overly simplistic. There's a lot of games after this one, but um I mean, it it basically makes the SEC East race between Florida and Tennessee and man, it would be nice to be back in that conversation. Ah, I love on. I love Jeremy Pruitt's attitude towards this game too. When he was asked um, how how he felt about the Georgia game, he said, "You know, they have good players and good coaches. We have good players and good coaches too. It's going to be a great game." And I kind of love love how he's approaching it because under Butch, it was always this constant like we're not we're not where we need to be. You know, it was always an excuse. I mean, we all know that. And Pruitt, Tennessee's still not where they need to be. I mean, we all know it. Like you don't need you don't need Pruitt to tell you that. Tennessee's not where they need to be, but he's not using that. He just, he's ready to play them. And and that's kind of how he's preparing his team. You know, he has them in the right mindset. Yeah. I, I'm honestly excited to see, and I am praying that it's not another sort of classic Tennessee letdown where we talk ourselves into being like, Oh, we're finally going to be competitive. And uh, yeah, maybe uh, well, not. we were right about the Missouri game for the most part. So that's true. Uh, and let's just move right into that, our prediction for this game. Let's first look back at how he did it for the Missouri game. I believe we actually both got Tennessee's score correct. We both predicted 35 points, nailed it, we're geniuses. What did we say for Missouri? See, I had 35-17, and you had 35-24. So we're both oh. fairly close there. I mean, we had them winning yeah. by two, over you know two scores at least, had the point total right. 
didn't give their defense enough credit, apparently. Neither one of I, us. Yeah. I gave Mizzou too much credit. I thought too little Tennessee's defense. What a mistake on my part. So, But I'll say, uh, for this Georgia game, mm, I think points are going to be hard to come by for Tennessee. And, and I'll just put it this way. I, Tennessee's not there yet until I see them get there. So don't, I'm sorry, you know, I know people, like, we're we're homerish on this show, let's be totally honest. But I think Georgia's going to win this one. But I think Tennessee does keep it close. I will say 27-21, Georgia. This is funny because I wrote down my answer right before you wrote down, or said yours, and I wrote down Georgia winning 27-13. I haven't Ooh. given Tennessee quite as much credit, but we <laughs> both picked the same point total yet again for, team, I could kinda, uh, for the winning team. And I'm sure we'll be right because that's what happens. Uh, but hopefully we're wrong in the team that scores 27 points, ideally. Hopefully that's Tennessee. But uh, I I could just see it kind of going, when I say 27-21, I, I would say maybe it's like 27-14 going into the fourth quarter. Tennessee scores sort of a garbage time touchdown or so, something. I hope I definitely hope I'm wrong about that. I hope it's closer and more competitive. But I just, I, I think George is going to be really stingy, man. Kurt, Kirby. I do too. As, as much as I'm not like a big Kirby guy, he's kind of shown he's not really the dude that's going to win you the big game, at least not yet. Hey, you got time to prove me wrong, obviously. But um, he's had uh, two games to make adjustments too. Yeah. And he, and, and I, I will say, let's go all, all the way back and talking about Georgia. I think Arkansas is better than people were giving them credit for because they went in and they beat Mississippi state. We didn't even mention that yet. Um, and obviously Arkansas gave Georgia problems. I think it's because Arkansas is not terrible. So let's just say that Sam Maybe Pittman's that a was good football element. coach. He's just he a is. straight up good football coach. And he was coming from Georgia, so he might have sort of had their number in a way. And so I think Georgia probably misses him to some extent too. They have yeah. to. I mean, I mean Tennessee misses him and Mrs. Cade Mays. And yeah. <laughs> you know, there's some some things. Speaking uh, of Mississippi State, they have got the full Mike Leach experience in two weeks. <laughs> yep. Knock That's off Mike Leach. LSU and then lose to Arkansas. He'll go beat number four Oregon when he was at Washington State, and the next week lose to like some Oregon State crap. Yeah, that's uh, that's classic Mike Leach stuff. But I, I, I honestly, with how good KJ Costello looked against LSU, how bad he looked against Arkansas was truly shocking. Because I like I thought if if they were gonna lose, I thought it would be like a shootout. And, and Arkansas just like stumped them. I I, I don't mean, know what to, it was, but to be fair, that that LSU team is not the same LSU team no. as last year. It's a new defensive coordinator. It's Derek Stingley was out. They didn't have their best cornerback. A lot of new players, so it's not like they beat 2019 LSU. That's true. That is definitely fair. But at, at the same time, I mean, in that game against LSU, Costello was a killer oh yeah i mean 600 yards against any sec team is yeah. ridiculous people were talking about the heisman immediately they were like <laughs> he's the heisman front runner mm, not so fast uh, slow down <laughs> yeah maybe take a breather you haven't um, seen arkansas yet <laughs> but uh that's i just throw in a little bit of credit there for arkansas and sam Pittman. i think they're they are not necessarily as as garbage as we might have thought but nonetheless um, yeah, so so we're thinking 27 ish points for Georgia. Third, what thirteen to twenty one ish points for Tennessee? We'll see where we shake out. I'll say this: please prove me wrong. Please, 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 Tennessee, go out, go out and make a statement. Go beat Georgia by two touchdowns. That's what I want to see. That would be, oh, you would change some minds, and you would be. I mean, Tennessee, they moved up to fourteenth. If you did something like that, if you just beat Georgia, you're going to move into the top 10. Exciting Which, times for Tennessee if they win this game, man. I think they should already be in the top 10. and Probably. I talked about that extensively today because I don't understand how any team can be below, you know, especially when you play two or three games, can be below teams that haven't played a game yet this year. 
That's I think true. <laughs> Oregon is 0-0, Penn State, and there was one other Big Ten team, or Ohio State, all ahead of, of Tennessee. And then UNC, North Carolina. I mean, they're 2-0. They beat Syracuse and Boston College. They're coming off a 7-6 and six year. It's not like they were a you know, top 10 team last year, so they don't have this crazy reputation. I think they're ranked number 8th. So I don't, is, I don't get it at all. There is definitely some like coach bias when it comes to those polls. People look and they go, "Mac Brown's UNC's coach," so definitely they're better. Jimbo Fisher is Texas A&M's coach, so clearly they're like top ten. I mean, I don't think that they're top ten, but like, there's just some of that like, "Oh, that's the guy on the sidelines. That's the brand name." So, oh, I think Auburn, Auburn is there. ahead of Tennessee as well. And they're one and one and kind of skirted by Kentucky. Yeah. I well, hopefully, as we've already mentioned, this is where the rubber meets the road. Tennessee, go out and prove that you can hang with the big boys. That's it. It's it's time. It is time to go big or go home. And honestly, I'm really excited to see this. It's really the the game is 3:30 on CBS. You got primetime billing. It's it is high time for Tennessee to go out and make a statement, man. And the fact that they get the opportunity to do it, that they put themselves in this position, eight straight wins, 2-0 and right now, it's it's exciting. And I, I, while I'm bracing myself for a disappointment, I'm hoping for the best at the same time. So, well, we just got to see what happens. Um, we Well, we wanted to, we've, we're running up on an hour already. We wanted to end the show by roasting Pat Forty. Uh, let's still do it. Let's do it. Cause pet, he deserves it. Pat 40 is a, such a dummy. So this was, this was September 27th. He wrote this just as a fun little thing to end the show here, September 27th, which was just last, is that last Sunday, last, maybe Saturday night of last yeah. week. Yeah. He wrote winners and losers of college football's unprecedented September. And he wrote a winner is Mississippi state. Obviously, they whipped LSU. They looked good. That's cool. Right after that, in the same article, he wrote, Loser, Tennessee. Keep in mind, Tennessee had already won. They had beaten South Carolina at this point. And he said, There was another SEC school on the verge of hiring Mike Leach in 2017. But the Volunteers decided to fire AD John Curry before he could make the hire, replacing him with Phil Fulmer and getting a traditional SEC ball coach and Jeremy Pruitt. And this line in particular annoys me because you know that Pat Forty, with his Northeastern loser mentality, I don't know where Pat Forty's from. He might be from the South. I have no idea. But you know <laughs> that he wrote that line in this voice, a traditional SEC ball coach in Jeremy Pruitt. <laughs> You know, like in a mocking way. Just screw you, Pat Forty. And then he says, maybe Pruitt will work out. He's 14 and 12 so far. And you know, he wrote that. And there's no sarcastic font, but he definitely meant it sarcastically. But he certainly hasn't delivered a win on par with what Leach did right out of the gate for Mississippi State. Pruitt's highlight to date is beating Indiana by pointing the Gator Bowl. Hey, Pat Forty, who won this week and who lost? Huh? You idiot. This is so stupid. Even when he Sorry, wrote I'm- it, it was terrible because Tennessee had the longest uh, winning streak by power five program. Once LSU lost, they had won seven games in a row. Now they've won eight games in a row. So it was, it was, Oh, go ahead. Go ahead. Yeah. It was was a bad take then. Obviously it's even worse a week later. Once Mississippi state has lost to Arkansas and Tennessee's won eight in a row after beating Missouri. I, I don't know. I, I don't get how the, how he's still employed by any anyone with that Pat, kind of take. Pat hates Tennessee. We we all because Pat he's got you know he's got those like connections in the Big Ten. He he's one of those dudes where like all of his connections are ads in the Big Ten. He goes and he talks to them and he goes sources say that the Big Ten won't play football this year. And then you know of course that ended up, he's one of those guys. And then of course that's happening and he was bitter about that. Now uh, he's. He also, he was uh, one of those dudes getting fed lines by John Curry back in 2017 during Shiano Sunday, and he's still mad about that. Just, hey, Pat Forty, how about you shut it? I think he's worse than Dan Walton, obviously, because he's he doesn't even try to hide how much he hates 
Tennessee <laughs> in general. Seriously. Like this he can't even, or if he is trying to hide it, he's doing a poor job of it. Yeah. I mean, this is so dumb. Uh, so that's, hey, that made me happy. I, I love sticking it to one of those national writers. They're terrible. Almost all of them. Some of them are okay. Shout out to Baird Salee. Um, but I think that's it for us. We're, we, we did an hour two. I like it. This is, I'm kind of an old head here. My sister-in-law, who's like young and she's like college age-ish, she showed me this song this week, and it's a banger. It's called Gravy Train. I like it. That's what we're gonna go out on. Um, that's just, how old do I sound? My the, the, <laughs> a really nice college kid showed me this song. It's it's a real it's a fun tune. Um, <laughs> but uh, yeah, that's it. I'm Charlie Burris. That's Zach Reagan at Charlie underscore Burris at Zach TNT. On Twitter, at A to Z Sports, uh, A to Z Sports Nashville.com for everything Zach writes. And then the A to Z Sports Podcast Network feed. Subscribe, rate, review. I think that is it. Thank you so much for listening. We'll talk to everybody next week. See you guys later.